Are you washed in the blood? Praise God. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Have you been washed in that blood? The soul cleansing blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. We must be cleansed. Amen. By the blood. Peter says we're washed. Amen. By the word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 What a mighty God we serve this morning. Amen. The Lord Paul told the church at Colossus, he says, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. I think you probably heard that around here somewhere, haven't you? And the church's vision is that you might be a church of lead, divine leadership and spiritual growth for all. Why did God give that vision to this church? One purpose, discipleship. That boils down to discipleship. That's all it boils down to. To be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. For the great missions report. Man, Sister Carter and the Cisco's are doing a great work there in Ghana. Amen. Praise God. Look at all those people being filled with God's Spirit and baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. And Sister Brittany says she wants to be baptized in Jesus' name. So we're going to do that at the end of service today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. If you have your Bibles today, let's go to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 1 through 17. And then I will be reading John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Amen. Let me encourage you to bring your Bible to church. Amen. You want to make sure that you know where I'm at, where God is trying to show you. Amen. Children, I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles to church at all times. Amen. You need to know in these last days where the Word of God is. <laughs> you need to hide this Word in your heart so that you do not sin against God. John chapter 13, starting with verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper, lay aside his garments, and take a towel and gird himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know Hereafter, 
Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garment and was set down again, he saith unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. And in the chapter 20, verse 30 and verse 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. And many other signs, truly, did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. And I want to minister to you from this thought today, clean, but not all. Clean, but not all. Father, we praise you again this morning. God, we thank you for your presence that we feel in this place this morning, God. Sweet Holy Spirit, sweet Heavenly Dove, stay with us, God. We give you praise, we give you glory and honor and thanksgiving, God. Search us, O oh God. Try us again today, God. See if there be any wicked way in us, O oh God, and lead us to that rock everlasting, God. Because without you, God, we're nothing. Without you, God, we'll surely fall, Lord God. But with you, we can do all things. Uh, and God, let your word prevail. Let your word strengthen us, God. As you said through the prophet Isaiah, Lord God, that as the rain and snow comes down from heaven and water the earth, then return not thither, God, but cause it the blood that it may give food to the sore. Amen. I'm here today, God, to proclaim your word this morning. Oh, God, let it touch and accomplish a purpose in our lives, God, that when we leave this place, God, we will leave changed. Uh, we will leave renewed. We will leave refreshed in the power of God and in the Holy Ghost. And, and we thank you again this glorious day for your presence, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph, and you may be seated. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. You may be seated. Amen. John's gospel is one of those gospels, amen, that you began to look at. And his gospel is a little bit unique, it seems, than the other gospels. You look at Matthew's gospel, and you look at John's, I mean, Luke's gospel, and you look at Mark's gospel, and all three of them comes after you from a certain standpoint in a certain way. And But when you get to John's gospel, John seems that he has a, a more purpose of, his his point is to get us to immediately understand that Jesus is God and he goes about this uh, through different miracles and signs and wonders that Jesus has done that the other uh, writers doesn't seem to to bring out uh, John seems to focus on six uh, of the greater miracles that Jesus did to where you will not find written in the other gospels amen we know that he talks about the turning of the water into wine. We know that John deals with the second drought of fish. We know that John deals with the wedding in Canaan of Galilee. And so John's purpose seems to show us who Jesus is, to put us into the, the book ourselves. When you read John's gospel, you find that John constantly used words like a certain man or a certain woman. And, and I believe he does this because he wants you to insert yourself in the Scripture. You see, because if you never put yourself in the Word of God, you will never understand what God is trying to do through the Word of God through you. I can preach to you. I can teach you. But until you decide that I'm going to put myself in the Word of God and allow the Word of God to get into my heart and to get into my mind, then I'm not going to ever change. I'm going to stay the same old way. Amen. This is why James tells us that we've got to be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. Amen. And so when you look at John's Gospel, John immediately kicks off his Gospel by taking us from what you might call from the creation through the wilderness uh, and all the way into heaven and just a stroke of the pen. John's Gospel is more theatrical. He wants you to, he writes from a playwright. Uh, he wants you to be able to to see yourself in the play. He wants you to adorn yourself and be in this play of the writings uh, so you get a full understanding. It has been said that some men and women, if they begin to become actors and they portray a role in a play that it becomes a part of them and they can begin to think that they are the real character. And so God wants us to be in His play today. And He wants us to understand the value of this. Uh, and so John begins uh, to tell us who God really is. And so he begins in chapter 1 and he says, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Was 
not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. He says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light, that true light, which lighteth every man comes into the world. He was in the world. The world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came to his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him, today gave him power to become the sons of God, which was born, not of flesh, not of blood, not of man, but of God. And the Word was made flesh, and it dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He lays it out there for us to let us understand that what was created is now here with us. Amen. And that we can get into it. Then in chapter 2, we see that John says, Now, I told you he's God. Let me prove it. And so there's a marriage in Canaan of Galilee. And both Jesus was calling his disciples to the marriage. Aren't you glad you're a disciple of God? Aren't you glad you're being called to the marriage lamb of the supper of the lamb? So here he is. He, he shows us a marriage. Uh, and Jesus comes to the wedding. And his disciples comes to the wedding. And Mary meets him. And she says, son, they have no wine. Jesus says, woman, what is that to me? My hour is not yet come. But notice what mom does. Uh, she just turned to the servants uh, and say, whatsoever he say to you to do... You do it. You see, this is what you got to capture. You see, God speaks, amen. And whatever he tells you to do, you got to do it, amen. You can't bump against it. You can, but you won't get what you need, amen. If you reject what God says, you're never going to get what you need from him. And she says, whatsoever he say to you to do, you to do it. If God tells you in this service to jump up and run around, then you need to jump up and run around. If he tells you to leap for joy, you need to leap for joy. If he tells you to clap your hands, you need to clap your hands. If he tells you to give a million dollars, you need to give a million dollars. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Because my ways is not your ways. And neither is my thoughts, your thoughts, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways and your ways and my thoughts uh, than your thoughts. Amen. So whatever he tells you to do. Now notice what Jesus told them to do. He says, fill the water pots with what? Fill the, fill the pots with water. And they filled it to the brim. They didn't question him. They just went and got the water and filled them to the brim. And Jesus now says to them, draw out and bear to the governor of the feast. He never spoke, says, water turn to wine. Hola machete, water turn to wine. He never said any of that. The only thing he told them to do is just put water in the basins. And they obeyed. And when he says, draw out, they took it to the governor of the feast. And the governor of the feast says, call the bridegroom. Come here. 
He says, everybody that has a party, amen, gives the good stuff first uh, and save the rot gut for last. Uh, but you have saved the best for last. Uh, what is he trying to let us see here through this miracle that God has saved the spirit uh, for the last? In the last day, said God, I will pour out of my spirit uh, upon all flesh. Uh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Uh, and your old men shall dream dreams. Uh, I have not seen, Paul says, nor ear heard, uh, neither have it entered in the hearts of men. The things which God uh, has prepared for them that love Him. But He's revealed it to you and I by His Spirit. Amen. In the last days, uh, there's so much more. This is why the book of Hebrews 11 ends with this saying, And they received not the promise uh, of God, but God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us cannot be made perfect. He saved the best for us. And then John says, well, let me see. I was told by the master that I need to go and preach the gospel to every creature. And so, therefore, I need to teach them and let them get in involved and see how to be good soul winners. And so, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, the ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus by night. Notice he's putting you right into this thing. He says, capture Get in it. Realize. Look at at night. They're around a campfire, maybe. And a guy is sneaking in at night. He's coming in because he don't want to be seen. And he comes to Jesus by night. And he says, Rabbi, we know that thou art teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with them. And Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the man be born again of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blow where it listeth, you hear the sound thereof, but canst not tell where it's coming and where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said unto him, how can these things be. Jesus said to him, aren't you a master of Israel? And you know not these things. We speak that we know. We testify that we have seen. Yet you believe not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No man has ascended up to heaven, but he that has come down from heaven, even the Son of Man is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He's showing us the value of being a soul winner and how to be a soul winner. Amen. When they come to us, you've got to be born again of the water and the spirit. If not, you can't see, nor can you enter into to the kingdom of Almighty God.
God. He shows him, amen, that God came down the earth. He shows us how much God really and truly loves us. He was willing to sacrifice his son that you and I might live. He goes on and says, here's condemnation. That light is coming to the world, but men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Amen. So if there's evil deeds, then they've got to be a cleansing process. They've got to be a change that has got to take place. And then John ushers us again down the streets. He shows us in the fourth chapter the value of getting prejudice out of our lives. He shows us that there was a division between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so as a result of this, Jesus has need to go through Samaria. And he came to a city called Sychar, which was known before as Shisham. If you know anything about Shisham in the Scripture, it was here that Jacob's two sons killed all the men of Shisham. Amen. It was here, amen, that he came. He was here that Jesus comes and he sits on a well, the well that he, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Amen. In this land of Shisham. And here comes a woman. Amen. About the middle of the day to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me to drink. She said to him, how is it be you being a Jew ask me a Samaritan for a drink? You know, we have no dealings. Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked of him. And he would have given you living water. He's trying to show them, amen, how invaluable it is to not block out anybody. He's showing you that if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you can't have prejudice in your heart. He's trying to show you and I that God will send you sometimes to people that you might have grudges against, people that might be divisions between you and them. He's trying to put you in the play. And then in the fifth chapter, he takes us to Jerusalem. He takes us to a pool. He takes us to a place with five porches. It's called Bethesda. If you know anything about Bethesda, Maryland, <laughs> there's a hospital there. And it's called Walter Reed Medical Center. It's a place for healing. It's a place for deliverance. And here you have, the Bible says, five porches filled with impotent folks, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. Because of a season, an angel went down and troubled the water. And whosoever was the first to get in was made completely whole. And Jesus comes to Jerusalem, and he goes up to the pool, and he goes to the man that has been there for 38 
years in his condition. And Jesus said to him, Will thou be made whole? And the man said to Jesus, Well, you see, I have no one to help me. For when the water is troubled, I'm coming. But someone else always beat me to the point. Jesus didn't ask him any of that. This is what John wants you to see. We're too quick to find excuses and begin to blame someone else before our not getting what we need from God. Amen. He has never asked you to ask anyone else to help you get what you need from Him. Amen. He asks you, do you want to be made whole? It's not my fault if you don't get to the pole. It's not my fault that I don't help you. Greater is He that's in you than He that is in the world. And so John is trying to show us, don't find excuses when Jesus asks you a question. If He asks you, do you want to be made whole? You've got a choice. I can say yes, or I can say no. It's not someone else's fault. You can't reach back and say, so-and-so did this to me. So-and-so caused me. I didn't have nobody to help me. He asked you a question. He came to you. He did not come to me. He didn't go to all the other people. He went strictly to you because he knows your heart. He knows your cry. He knows what you have need of. And Jesus asked him, did he want to be made whole? He didn't ask him, did he want to be made healed? Because if you have crawled to try to get there 38 years, your mind is going to be messed up. So you need some emotional healing. On top of the physical healing. And you need some spiritual healing because you can't get the church crawling all the time. And so Jesus wanted him up. And so when he started making excuses, Jesus avoided his excuses. And he says, take up your bed and walk. And immediately he picked up his bed and walked. Where did he go? He went to church. And Jesus found him in the church. And he says, oh, you're made whole. He says, sin no more, lest the worst thing happen to you. Letting us know that sin will put you in a predicament that you can't get out of. Sin will paralyze you. Sin will cause you to render you ineffective for the kingdom of God. By all accounts, this man at one time must have been in the church because he knew where to go once he got up off that porch to get back to the house of God. Amen. And as a result, by all indications, he was in the church before, but he backslid and he went out. Amen. And did wrong. And now his sin has put him in a predicament that all all he can do is keep 
keep trying to crawl, just crawling and crawling, and hope that someday he will be the right one. But I'm here to tell you, I believe that for 38 years he was crying out to God. I believe for 38 years he was calling out to God, saying, hear my humble cry. God, if you restore me, God, if you heal me, God, if you lift me up again, I will do that that you have asked me to do from the onset. And this is why he ran back to the house of God. Amen. And so we see this play, right? This theatrical thing that John seems to be doing to pull you and I into the wedding, into the marriage, to show you and I how to be delivered, how to be set free, how to be firm. And now, in the 13th chapter, I'm jumping ahead here, he brings us to the feast. He says there's a feast in Jerusalem, which is what? The Passover. We know that the Passover, there was three times that every male was to go to Jerusalem. Jesus had never violated his own law because he's God. That's what John wanted you to see in chapter 1. He never violated his own rules and his own law. Amen. And so he said there's a feast of the Passover. You see, the three times the males and the people was to go to Jerusalem was the Passover feast. They was to go there at Pentecost. And they was go there at the tabernacle of the wilderness. Amen. And as a result, the Passover was to commemorate God delivering them from Egypt. Pentecost was to commemorate God giving them the law. And then the tabernacle was to commemorate their time in the wilderness. If you've been born again, there should be times that you never forget that God brought you out of the world. You should never forget that He wrote His laws on your heart and in your mind. You should never forget how He was with you when you was going through the trials and the things of the wilderness of your life. He was with you every step of the way. And you should never forget what God has done for you and what God has shown you and what God is bringing you to. And so John has us in this room of the upper room. They finished supper. And now Jesus arises. And he began to take water and pour it into a basin. And he put a towel around him. And he began to wash his disciples' feet. Blew their mind. Out of all the miracles and everything, the teachings and everything that Jesus had done, they had never seen him do anything like this. Because why? What Jesus was doing, this was for peasants. This was for slaves. This was for servants. But your master, your Lord, humbles himself and get down on his hands and knees and began to wash his disciples' feet was unbearable for them to do. To believe, how could he do this to them? Amen. This is a job for a servant. But they failed to realize.
realize Jesus said to them, what I do right now, you do not understand, but you're going to understand later. I want you to understand, I'm giving you an example. I'm showing you that the servant is not greater than his Lord, and neither, amen, are you. They failed to realize that he was giving them a lesson in humility. They failed to realize that David says, who is like the Lord our God, who humbled himself to become obedient unto death. Amen. We need to understand, you can get in a position of authority, you can get a job, you can think you're better than anybody else, but the day as a child of God, you forget to humble yourself and become humble and keep a humble spirit, you're going to fall. Amen. So Jesus was showing them the value of having humility in their hearts. And the Bible says, he knew who was going to betray him. So one would say, well, if you knew Judas was going to betray you, then why didn't you just deal with Judas? Because it's a body. It's a whole body. So the whole body needed to be washed. Not just one part of the body. See, if he'd have singled out Judas, like we may do sometime, then we find fault. We point the finger. But no, Jesus began to wash all of them. And he came to Simon Peter. And Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash me? Jesus says, well, tell you what. If I don't wash you, you ain't going to have no part of me. And notice what Peter says. Lord, don't wash just my feet. But wash my hands. Wash my head. First he says, you're never going to wash me. But when Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you're not going to have any part with me. He realized, amen, I need my hands washed. I need my head washed. I need all parts of me washed. What Peter was saying is, God, you wash my hands so that I don't steal anything. You wash my hands so that I don't touch anything that's fouled. God, you need to touch me. My hands. Uh, you need to cleanse my hands. Uh, one of Jesus' comments was, if your right hand offend you, cut it off. Uh, in other words, if you don't get it clean, uh, amen, and you're easily capable of picking up something that can defile you, you're able to touch uh, a remote control or hit a key on a, a keyboard that'll take you to a porn site uh, or some site that can render you not effective for God. So you need to have your hands washed. You need to have your hands clean. Because if your hands are washed, you're not going to touch a button or a key that's going to take you to a pornography site. If your hands are cleansed, you're not going to pick up something that don't belong to you. You're not going to steal. You're not going to take from others things that are not yours when your hands are clean. John says, he says, wash my head. In other words, Get my mind cleansed, amen. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You need to have a clear mind. Some 
of you are plagued today because of bad choices, uh, bad mistakes, past marriage problems, situations in your life, and your mind is killing you because you are troubled uh, on every hand. You need your minds cleansed. Uh, you need God to touch your mind, to restore your mind, to make it afresh, to make it anew. So Peter says, wash not my feet only. Because if you wash my feet, then I'll walk right. I'll go right. But if you wash my hands, I'm not going to touch the wrong things. If you wash my mind, I'll keep my mind stayed upon you. You see, Jesus says, amen, I know you think you're clean. He says, yes, you're clean. He says, but not all. You see, the reason he made that comment uh, and the reason he washed all of them as David. Uh, David was anointed to be the king of Israel. He was anointed. He had the Holy Ghost, if you want to put it that way. He was anointed. Isn't it amazing that if we have the anointing, we shouldn't sin. If we have the anointing, we shouldn't do wrong. But how did David get so far to the right? He walked out and he saw Bathsheba. And David in his own mind, and in you and my mind, we can think we're clean. And David thought he was clean. So he gets Bathsheba, he sends for her, he sleeps with her, she gets pregnant, he kills her husband. One writer says he committed and violated all ten commandments in that one act. He thought he was good to go. Years down the road, he's probably thinking, I'm still clean, I'm the king. But God hadn't forgot. And so God sends Nathan, the prophet, go down and tell David... This and David, Nathan goes down and he began to talk to David and tell him about a wayward traveler and he came through and the wayward traveler came to the man's house and the man took the ewe lamb and gave it to the wayward traveler and David was mad. Isn't it amazing we get mad when we think it's somebody else? And so, when Nathan finished, David says, Whosoever has done this shall restore fourfold. And Nathan says, You are the man. Broken. My sin has found me out. It's not hidden anymore. God knows, the prophet knows, and now I wonder who else knows. And so David, who thought he was clean, now realized he was dirty. And so he wrote Psalms 51, and he says, wash me from mine iniquities. Psalms 51, 2, he says, wash me from mine iniquities. Cleanse me from my sins. Notice, wash me from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sins. Why didn't he do that before? Why now? You see, when it's revealed, you better deal with it. 
And the only one can deal with your sin is God. Verse 3, he puts it this way. I acknowledge my transgression, and my sin now is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when you speak and clear when you judge me. He says, God, behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, watch, thou desires truth. And the inward parts, and the hidden parts, thou will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Amen. Notice, make me to hear joy and gladness. Amen. That the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide not thy face from my sin. Blot out mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. What is a right spirit? A right spirit is a firm spirit. It is a spirit that will not give in to temptation. It is a spirit that will not go after sin. It is a spirit that will not do what is wrong, but will always do that which is right. We need to have a renewed spirit. This is why God says, I will write my law in their hearts and their minds so that they all know me. A right spirit, David says, created me because the one I got, God, has failed me already. I need a new spirit. I need you to create me a new, a fresh, a brand new. Amen. Take not thy Holy Spirit away from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors the way and sinners will be converted unto thee. Amen. He says, if you do this, God, for me, you clean me, you wash me. Amen. I'm going to be new. I'm going to be brand new. I'm going to be fresh. I'm going to be totally anew. And so Jesus says to Peter, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. You see, we can get to this point just because we're baptized in Jesus' name. We think we're good to go. But how many times do we go home and we talk about our brothers and sisters? How many times do we go home and we get into gossip? How many times do we go home and watch pornography? How many times do we go home and watch fifth on the television? How many times do we go out and talk about one another? Amen. And not edify and build up. How many times do we treat those we love like they're dirt? How many times do we not get along with one another? This is a spirit of uncleanliness. This is a spirit that we've been baptized, but we're still not clean. There's something inside of us that makes 
makes us murmur. There's something inside of us uh, that makes us gossip. But there's something inside of us uh, that's not like Christ. Uh, the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, witchcraft, hatred, variance, immolation, strife, sedition, uh, amen, and drunkenness, and all these things uh, were unclean uh, in our flesh. Uh, this is why the flesh cannot please God. Uh, you can agree with somebody and be wrong with them, uh, but you've been baptized in Jesus' name. How many times uh, do you know somebody that's been baptized in Jesus' name and you've agreed with them? They're knowing they're wrong. Uh, how many people have walked out of the church uh, and you agreed with their wrongness? Uh, that's an attitude of uncleanliness. You've been baptized, but you're still agreeing with wrong and wrongdoing. That means you're unclean in God's sight uh, because you're agreeing with wrong. You need to be washed. And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. David thought he was good to go. But as Moses told the children of Israel, be sure your sin will find you out. It would have been easy to point the finger at Judas. Anybody on my side? How many of you have blamed Judas for betraying Jesus? I know I preached about him betraying Jesus. I call him a scum. I've called him a dirty rat. How could you betray your master, man? But think about it. How many times do we betray him? How many times do we betray him? That's why he washed them all. Because he knew, as he told them, what I'm doing now, you don't realize. It wasn't long. A few hours later, Peter denied him, didn't he? But the difference between Peter and Judas is Judas didn't ask for repentance. He went out and hung himself. But Peter repented of his sin and came back. Amen. And got it right. And that's what God wants out of every one of us. Amen. I don't know about you. I don't know what my heart is going to do. This is what Jeremiah 17, 7, 9 says. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Amen. And God says in verse 10, I, the Lord, try the hearts and I search the reins. I want you to understand. He says, I'm trying your mind. I'm searching and I'm testing you to let you see what is there. Amen. Maybe today he has revealed to you that you're not as clean as you thought you were. Maybe I touched on some things that you realize that's in your life that goes against the Word of God. Maybe you have been a gospel. Maybe you have been a backbiter. Maybe you have been watching pornography. Maybe you have stolen from God. Will a man rob God? Wherein you rob me in Ties and offerings, saith the Lord. Amen. Bring it into my storehouse. Have you robbed God? Then you need to be washed by the Lord. Whatever you have violated.
united against the Word of God. You're not clean. You need to get clean with God. I don't know my heart. I don't know what my heart is going to cause me to do. Will I get prideful because I'm a pastor, a presbyter, or whatever leadership position that I'm holding? Will I get prideful and it make me fall? Will I get money hungry and go out the money which is the lust of the world, the root of all evil? Will it pull me away from God? Will I lie to my mom and dad? Will I tell them not the truth? Will I say things that will embarrass them? Will I do things at school will hurt my mom and dad? Will it cause me to embarrass my parents? Uh, then I need to be clean. Uh, I need to be washed. Uh, what about it? Uh, am I going home and get on the side and get me a cancer stick uh, and begin to pull and get another draw or get another puff? Uh, am I going to go in the secret closet uh, and pull out my filth that I got hid behind and get me a swig uh, and says I'm okay? Am I going to do those things? Uh, am I going to get on my cell phone uh, and start talking about people and telling my own personal life than talking to God? Then I don't know what my heart is going to do. I don't know if I'm going to be the one to betray Him. But He knows. He knows everything about me. So He says, if I don't wash you, then you have no part of me. Because what is He saying? When you fall, sin is going to cost you a whole lot more problems than what you ever bargained for. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. From the littlest to the oldest, you have the potential to betray Jesus Christ by your actions. Let's stand this morning. So John puts us in the book. He writes us in there. He wants us to come into this thing. Have you been to Jesus for your cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? There used to be a commercial that says, Mr. Clean, get rid of dirt and grime and grease in just a minute. Mr. Clean will clean your whole house and everything that's in it. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you are. You are not your own. You are brought with a price. When Jesus walked in that synagogue... He made cords of scorn, and he began to turn over the tables and run the people out of there. And he says, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. You are the temple, and if you've got uncleanliness in this temple, then you are a den of thieves. Because you are robbing God of his ability to be in you. What he desires to be in you. You're robbing God 
of being able to show the whole world what a true Christian is all about. Will a man rob God? Don't hold him at gunpoint. Amen. Don't heist him. Amen. Let him have free liberty in your house. Let him wash you today. Amen. Have you been to Jesus for your cleansing power? Are you washed? There's an old song that says, there's a fountain filled with blood. It flows from Emmanuel's vein. And sinners plunged beneath the flood lose all their guilt and stain. Lose all their guilt and stain. Lose all their guilt and stain. And sinners plunge beneath the flood and lose all their guilt and shame. Cleansed, but not all. And I'm asking you today, are you clean? God knows. But if not, then I'm going to ask you today, let God wash you. Peter told the church in Ephesians 5:26. He says, "Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church that he may present it to himself a glorious church without spot and wrinkle." Amen. But it's being sanctified, why? How? By the washing of the water of the word. The word of God. You've heard enough word today to last you to Easter hang hunt next year. <laughs> You've got to let it go in your heart. You've got to be a doer of it if you want to be clean. That's why the Bible says in Psalms 119, verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way, but taking heed thereto according to thy word. Jesus says in John 15, 3, Now you're cleansed by the word that I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear forth fruit except it abide in the vine, no more than you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branch. If you're not staying in me, you're going to be cast away and thrown in the fire and burned. For without me, you can do nothing. Amen. I want to open these altars today. If you need to be washed, if you need a cleansing from the fountain, then come. Come on today. Let God wash you. Pour your heart out to Him. You know the things you're struggling with in your life. Give Him a chance to wash you. Give Him a chance to cleanse you. Give Him a chance to make you whole all over again. I know you've been baptized in Jesus' name. But there might be something in your heart uh, that will spring up tomorrow that render you ineffective for God. Uh, there may be something that spring up in your heart tomorrow that cause you to sin against God. Uh, that render you ineffective for the kingdom of God. You don't want to be that person. Whether young or old, you don't want to be that person, amen, that walks around saying, I'm a Christian, but you are really totally unclean. Amen. I want to be washed. Wash me, God. Cleanse me, God. Oh, search me, oh God. Try me, God. See if there be wickedness in my heart, God. See if there be anything in me, God, that's not like you. God, I want to be washed. I want to be pure. I want to be whole. God. I got to be right, Jesus. I got to be right, God. I got to be right, Lord. I got to be right, Lord. I can't do it without you, God. I can't do it without you, God. I got to be whole, complete. I got to be renewed, God. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. My soul is hungry. I've got this aching within. 
God, you was willing to wash me, oh God, wash me, God. God, I don't know my heart. God, I don't know what I'm talking about. 